There isn't a magic spell that can help your baby sleep, unfortunately. Although I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this podcast comes pretty close. But whilst there might not be magic, there is witching. The so-called witching hours when your lovely baby suddenly becomes more than a little bit spirited. Hello, I'm Kat Cuby, broadcaster, podcaster and charmer. And this is Sarah Carpenter, baby and child expert and sleep sorcerer. What's your magic spell, Sarah? (laughs) Is that it? Just a grunt? (laughs) Okay. I don't think we can market that. You got me off guard there. (laughs) No. Today's episode is all about the witching hour, or as I like to call it, the twitching hour, when you keep twitching to look at the clock to see if it's bedtime yet. All babies have a time of the day, usually in the late afternoon, before bath time, or in the early evening, when you may want to sell them on eBay. I wouldn't really, honestly. I mean, the postage would be ridiculous. (laughs) Please don't think I'm a bad parent. (laughs) This time of day, usually between about five o'clock and 11 o'clock for babies, is characterized by them being tired but awake, fractious but needing near constant attention. My friend's toddler used to say, cuddle me but don't touch me, which I think if a baby could talk is probably what they would say during those witching hours too. It's confusing for them and for you. It can be hard to know how to deal with this unmagical witching hour or two, because quite often it's not just an hour. So in this episode, we're going to look at a few ways to help you and your baby through to bedtime without casting a spell on them or listing them on eBay. So first of all, I'm sorry, calling it a witching hour is or might be a little bit misleading because the fractious time can last for hours plural. There are a number of reasons we think it happens, but honestly, nobody really knows. So Sarah, what are some of the theories behind the witching hour or witching hours? So there are quite a few theories behind this. Um, And like you say, it is definitely or generally hours rather than hour. And it does tend to happen to all babies and doesn't even just stop there. You know, it can go on to kind of toddlers and younger children too. But yeah, so so some of the kind of most common factors are, you know, overtiredness. Um, if you're breastfeeding, it could be that you're so super tired by the stage that your milk supply is just a little bit lower. If you're hungry, then obviously you're going to be a little bit more tetchy as well. And, you know, if you're waiting on somebody arriving home, then you can get a little bit anxious before that time happens. And, you know, a combination of excitement and relief. Waiting to play past the baby. (laughs) Exactly. And that can definitely then have a little bit of an effect. You know, as your anticipation builds, it can have a little bit of an effect on baby as well. Once you're weaning, babies can just be really, really hungry and they can just want this extra food. But actually it takes us as adults a little bit longer to just catch up to that. So we tend to sort of not power too much food into them at the dinner time meal when actually that's what they really need but they also still need the milk as well so it's just getting the balance. And talking of hunger to be honest as you say parents are often hungry too like yeah. that does tend to be the point in the evening where I'm like shoveling handfuls of cheese into my mouth mm-hmm. from from the fridge and I definitely notice in terms of putting the kids to bed like the later it goes on if they're being like a little bit difficult with bedtimes and the hungrier I get obviously the hangrier I get because I'm running out of steam too and and obviously they pick up on that. 
Yeah, that's it, exactly. And, you know, it can just generally be that you're busier at that time of day as well. So you're trying to get other things done. If you've got um, older siblings, then you're trying to get them bathed and sorted, get their dinner ready, you know, maybe doing homework and things like that. That's quite a common one that, you know, people will be saying. Look, I think Guinness is having a witching hour. Guinness is definitely having, Guinness is having a witching week just now. <laughs> What are the main signs, would you say, that your baby's going through witching hour cause, or hours and you're twitching? Is it, is it not just babyhood? Like, why is it a specific thing? So you can definitely see when this sort of um, grumpier, tetchier, needier period of the day comes. You know, baby will be could potentially be super chilled all day and then suddenly around about that sort of four or five o'clock mark it just hits and it's just the major grizzles they want to be picked up they wriggle once they're picked up they want to be put down nothing settles them nothing calms them um they might you know if they are feeding they might be a little bit more um distracted you know off and on um a lot of people complain about very sore nipples if they're breastfeeding at that time of day just because they are a little bit more um pulley and bitey mm -hmm. and nippy so mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's just all these sorts of you know general grumpy signs and you know the extreme tiredness but actually not being able to get themselves over to sleep either so they're not catching up seeing as we're talking about tiredness I think we should actually take some of those theories and try and give you some help to get you through the first one is a big one and can often be combined with the other theories but I do think that basically tiredness makes everything harder like by the time you get to evening as we've been talking about babies usually had their longest awake window even if they're still having a third nap that nap is usually less of a settled one uh, they'll also have learned a lot during the day like remember every day is pretty much like the first day of school for babies and I know we've talked about this before but when baby gets overtired cortisol and adrenaline are released into their bloodstream and those are basically like wake up hormones not sleepy ones so that's why when they get overtired you, you tend to see a case of the the crazy tireds which is sort of that it seems like they're really awake or they've got loads of energy but actually they're exhausted so Sarah what can you do about tiredness during the witching hours or, or how can you plan for it yeah, it is the key word there is planning. You have to be organised and you have to be ahead of the game, really. So, you know, if you, if you know that your witching hours are going to start round about sort of 4, 4.30, then try and get a nap in at 4. Um, and honestly, with this nap, do whatever you need to do. This is the one nap where if you want to sit on the couch, if you have the time to sit on the couch and cuddle, do it. If you want to put them in a sling and walk around, do mm -hmm. it. If you want to go in the pram, do it. If you want to go in the car, do it. This nap is key in that it can really help with the witching with actually, with And with bedtime uh -huh. as well. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, it can lead into a much, much better bedtime. Um, but it's also the first nap that gets dropped. So mm -hmm. that's why it doesn't really matter where you're doing it. What age do they do drop that nap? So they'll start to reduce this nap somewhere around about five to six months and it'll be gone completely by six, six and a half months. And so what about once you have dropped that nap? What do you do? That's when you want to rely on food. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess probably making sure that those earlier naps are decent, like Definitely. if they've had a really good afternoon nap, which mm -hmm. is, you know, depending on, on how you've 
kind of worked out your day, whether you're having a longer morning or afternoon nap, but just making sure that that afternoon nap is a good one yeah. um, to, to help lead them through. And then obviously food, but I think we're going to come on to that. Yeah. And also remember, you know, with your bedtime, you do have that 30 minutes of flexibility. So, you know, if certainly when you're going through the transition of cutting out that third nap, you might want to be bringing your bedtime forward by 30 minutes just to really combat that overtiredness and have a smoother run at it. Like I think witching hours are particularly prevalent when you have a newborn and a small baby. Obviously, they're still kind of adjusting their circadian rhythms and they're getting over jet lag and things or that what we call jet lag from from being inside. Um, but also, I think, as you're mentioning, during nap transitions, whether it's three to two or two to one or none once they obviously get older that is when the witching hours can be really really tough because obviously they're missing that sleep and that's where you get into the danger nap zone because they get so tired and you see those like funny videos of kids falling asleep into their dinners and stuff like that yeah and that happens to all of us I've got a great one of Harry trying to eat a Kit Kat and he has literally fallen asleep on the Kit Kat (laughs) but he's so determined he's like this is chocolate I'm gonna finish it He's taken that take a break, quite literally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, you do. And, you know, there are going to be days where, unfortunately, you know, whatever age child has that kind of danger nap and it will obviously have a knock on effect but if they do fall asleep just really try hard to have them awake by 10 minutes. You know, if they're over the sort of six month mark, try really hard to have them awake by 10 before they've hit the 10 minute mark just so that they're not literally a disco nap exactly like you're using it as a wee bit of fuel to get you to bedtime yeah so tiredness and hunger often go hand in hand it's something we talk about a lot in all of our podcasts but also something we've already spoken about in this pod they're basically both needs and sometimes we mistake one for the other like I'm pretty sure that's why I can eat a whole pizza the day after I've been out out which to be fair hasn't happened for a while (laughs) but not only do we mistake one for the other but one can also be helped by the other if that makes sense I'm even confusing myself but basically sometimes food can give us the fuel to make it through to bedtime if we're tired so it's why we talk about planned cluster feeding in the early days not only are you helping to fill baby up for the longer overnight sleep you're also giving them the energy to hopefully make it through to bedtime so Sarah let's talk about feeds and obviously once baby's weaned food and witching hours how can food help or milk help yeah, so all the sort of schedules and advice that we give definitely do end up, um, you know, you are cr- sort of cramming the milk feeds towards the end mm-hmm. of the day. Quite often, I would even go as far as to say that you're going to put three milk feeds into a three-hour period. Right. So you might do one round about four o'clock, then they'll have their little disco nap, and then on waking, you could do another one and then have a bath and then do another one at bedtime. Right. Okay. So yeah. you really are just using that in milk just to get them through each stage of yeah, the witching yeah, hours yeah. so you're not overfilling them and you're not you're not missing feeds because you know the the sort of five o'clock-ish one after their disco nap the one before the bath time it's not going to be a full feed that's just going to be like a little snack as yeah. you and I would have if we were yeah. you know like I, know I am literally having time. all the time at that yeah. at five o'clock <laughs> as I say like burritos <laughs> Like a little bit of ham, some cheese inside, shoved in the mouth. Disgusting. Mum tea. <laughs> yeah. 9am, it's a whisper for me and I need it to get through my morning. <laughs> Jesus, 
chocolate at 9 a.m it's christmas every day for you <laughs> and if i finish work at seven sometimes it's <laughs> seven a.m um, but yeah you know we, we we snack when we're tired and you need to be able to provide that for children just to give them a little bit of an energy boost so then once you've started weaning them you've obviously you, you still keep your um, milk feeds the same for quite a long period of time once you've started weaning and so they're going to have the milk then they're going to have their solids and then they're going to have more milk. And mm-hmm. quite often, you know, around about the sort of 10 to 12 month mark, I would even offer a little supper snack as well. So it's then becomes milk, dinner, supper, more milk. So it is quite a lot of food over a short yeah. period of time. But again, it just keeps those energy levels up. It distracts them from actually falling asleep as well. So it's yeah. not necessarily that they're even going to eat a massive amount, but sitting up in the high chair when other children or other family members are having dinner and just sitting putting in about with a few bits and pieces on their tree, that can be enough of a distraction just to keep them a little bit happier and keep them pushing through to bath time. And obviously, I think the thing that kind of threw me about cluster feeds and, you know, we've sort of mentioned that witching hours happen or or maybe you just they just hurt more when you've got a newborn because you're more <laughs> more tired. But um, the, the, the cluster feeding thing, I think when I was doing it with Indy before I had met you, I literally fed her from like, say, five o'clock until 11. So I wasn't allowing myself to recharge during that time um so it is I think it was really helpful for me to think of cluster feeding in a different way it doesn't mean that you're cramming it all into the space of an hour as you say you're sort of doing I mean obviously it depends how long your baby feeds for and how you're feeding but you know you are you're talking about it being separated by an hour or an hour and a half it isn't something that just happens all at the same time I don't know if that's me being really stupid but that was what I thought cluster feeding meant in those early days that I think that's a really important point is, you know, whether cluster feeding or planned cluster feeding, it's not a continuous thing. It doesn't have to be a continuous thing. And I think it's really important, especially if you're in the position where there are two adults in the house, it's really important that you can hand baby over for a little bit of time. Just go and have a bath or sit down, have a cup of tea, but just try and be in another room or be a little bit away from the baby if you're comfortable with that, just so that you don't give yourself the responsibility of literally just feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding for hours because it's exhausting for you and actually isn't benefiting baby but just whilst we're talking about this and you're reminding me of those early days as well is that I think if you do have a partner during those witching hours because quite often feeding is the thing that that can console baby during those times even if they're distracted or you know not it can be hard because they feel like this thing is going to help why just feed them And that you can then get into that issue. And we've spoken about that before where um, baby's actually taking too much and not getting rid of wind and then, you know, ends up actually in discomfort as a result. It becomes a really uncomfortable cycle where you keep latching on. And in all honesty as well, if you're breastfeeding um, and you're cluster feeding, when you are doing it continually and latching on and off continually and you're tired and you're getting hungry and you're getting tight to yourself, your latch isn't always the best latch. You know, you do get a little bit distracted. You're not, you're just kind of like, oh, I'm just going to put them back on. I'm just going to put them back on. And so then it, it accumulates to then more wind for baby, painful nipples for you. And it's just, yeah, an unpleasant experience all round. Totally. So I have a wee saying, which is when in doubt, go out. Going out for a wee walk during the witching hours can really help. A little fresh air can have an amazingly calming effect on you and baby. 
Although I should caveat that with it depends how stressful it is for you to get out of your home with your baby, what the weather is doing, how many layers you need. But Sarah, let's talk about distractions, because although baby is tired and you don't want to overstimulate them, there are ways to kind of use gentle distraction techniques that can also help during the witching hours too. Absolutely. So yeah, a walk is a really good one. Um, quite often, uh, you know, when baby's big enough, pop them in the sling, but face them out the way so they're not cuddled into you. They're mm-hmm. facing out the way. You can hold their hands, you can chat away to them, you can sing a little bit and they, they can just generally look about them. It just needs to be a little short outing. Um, but like you say, if that's not easy, don't do it. Don't add stress to yourself. The other one that I really like is actually just stripping them off completely butt naked, um, getting them on a big fluffy towel, either in a nice warm bathroom or in front of the fire, and letting them have a really good stretch and roll. And that's really, really good for practicing your tummy time as well. You know, get them naked on their tummies, on these big fluffy towels, roll another towel up under their armpits and let them push up and down. And that can be a really, really good thing. Often babies don't poo every day. And I can literally hear 90% of our listeners <laughs> yeah. saying, what, we change eight poos a day? But <laughs> quite often, especially with breastfed babies, they will go days and days without pooing. And so again, this time mm-hmm. of the day, their tummies can be a little bit uncomfortable, but getting them naked and doing lots of tummy massage, it A, helps move their bowels and B helps distract them when they are a little bit more grumpy so that's another good thing to do as well and I guess you could also use bath time a little bit differently in terms of making it more of a distraction than than just simply a a part of your bedtime routine yeah which I guess is you're sort of extending it by doing that with with getting them Uh naked but I know you don't want them to get cold and and then overtired you don't want to bring that forward too much I think bath time is really good for kind of the nine months plus you can definitely definitely use it at that point because they're not so reliant on Mm -hmm. getting out of the bath having a feed and going straight to bed they've got a little bit more energy but certainly when they're babies they can be so stimulated by bath time that actually when they go out of bath they're so exhausted that you do then just need to feed and get them to bed or I guess even just a wee wander around the house like you can always put them in the in in the sling or carry them or you know do do that at, at home yeah definitely I mean a lot of people will pop them in the sling and make the dinner and things like that mm-hmm. so yeah yeah think of safety and don't have anything that's going to be hot and spitting out or anything but yeah you know you can you can wear them to do stuff around the house yeah think of distractions but keep them calm and gentle essentially which I I know can be a hard thing but um yeah I think it's quite nice as well if if you are waiting on somebody coming home if you can use that time to go for a little walk to meet them Mm. you know that's nice for the person who's been at work all day and gets you out of Mm -hmm. the house and distracts baby and then the excitement of seeing the other parent actually happens out of the home as well which can then mean that things are a little bit calmer when you're all back at home yeah so that could literally mean like you know if you're in a flat going down the stairs and out the front door or you know or just going to the bottom of your street or whatever like it doesn't need to be some sort of epic hike no no (laughs) don't go for a ramble And finally, this is the time of day when we would encourage you to be flexible. I know we've already mentioned that at the start, but it's entirely common for a baby to need to go to bed earlier than normal some days. 
depending on how the timings of naps have been, how good those naps have been, where those naps have been. So you may want to edge things a little bit earlier. Um, So Sarah, why is it important to be flexible at the end of the day? The main reason is overtiredness. You know, you just really do not want an overtired baby trying to go to bed because as we've discussed so many times, it just doesn't work. And so if you can just really be on top of that and just pull everything forward a little bit and get them into bed a little bit sharper so that they actually settle over easily. That can make all the difference to your day and night. As a bit of a routine queen, I find it quite hard to be flexible because I, at the end of the day, because I have those very set timings in my head of when things happen. Um, But it is something that I'm working on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is difficult. And if you are a routine queen, then as soon as I sort of mentioned being flexible within that routine, it can fill people with utter panic. So, yeah, it's just understanding that, I suppose. Yeah. And you've got to do what works for you. You know, if, if being flexible makes you more stressed out, you've just got to be aware that that overtiredness might make bedtime harder. And so if, you, if you're if you clocking that, yeah. if you go, oh, do you know what, every single night this is happening, then I guess that gives you the answer to your question. And quite often, I do think it's really hard when you're in the thick of it to kind of take a step back and look at things and and also just kind of understand what's going on. That's obviously why we talk about all of these things in our podcast, because that hopefully will give you guys the information and, and the confidence to know what's happening. Every week we answer one of your questions about your baby because it's important to us. We put our advice to practice and also we get a lot of messages from you guys. So thank you so much for them. And if you do have one, you can send it to us. Uh, Email's probably easiest for an audio file. Hello at thesleepmums.com. But you can also get in touch with us on social media at The Sleep Mums on Facebook and Instagram if you'd like to send us a listener question. This week, we have a question from Sarah. Another one. Hi, Kat and Sarah. Love your podcast. Uh, question for you. My baby is really settled during the day and at night. However, something happens at 4pm until 7pm. Um, he's really unsettled. Can you help at all? Yeah, I mean, so that is a typical witching hour period of the day. They are super tired at this time of day. You know, it is, they might have come home from nursery. They've been stimulated all day. They then get back to their safety zone, you know, four o'clock, tired, grumpy, starting to get hungry, just arrived home. And it can just feel like you're getting the worst part of the day. So try, and I, you know, this is super hard, but do try and be organised so that you're ready for that. So have dinner ready the night before, you know, try and have something that can just be put on the table straight away. So yes, we would normally be recommending dinner around about 4.45, 5 o'clock. If you need to do dinner at quarter past four on nursery days, that is absolutely fine, you know, and then just do a supper a little bit later on. Um, So it's nothing that you're doing. I think that's the thing. People feel like they've done something wrong by the time it gets to witching hour. But it's not, it's not that you've done anything wrong at all. It is just all these contributing factors building up. And that's when you can feel like you've broken your baby, but you haven't. (laughs) And I think as well, um, sometimes like we were just talking about flexibility. Sometimes say if you are coming home from nursery or from being out and about, you know, you might be a bit stressed that things are happening later. And so talking about that flexibility I guess is important there too because you're going right oh I need to do feed and I need to do this and I need to do bath and you know just 
drop something and like it took me quite a long time to go and I know you've always said you don't need to do baths every night but I always have done baths every night pretty much but at at the point I suddenly went oh do you know what I don't need to do this (laughs) like we'd come home late and it was like it felt like taking quite a lot of the pressure off and it I think it's just because you're so aware that those steps of the bedtime routine are important for leading baby towards bedtime or, or child towards bedtime but sometimes just take something out and that gives you that slightly more space to play with and hopefully makes you feel less stressed out and then more able to deal with the fact that your baby's or your child is needy at that time. Yeah, absolutely no. I mean, taking something out rather than going to bed later is definitely the better option. So obviously we're not suggesting that you drop a milk feed or you drop dinner, but something that you can drop, so massage or a bath time or a walk, you know, these are all things that you can remove to make your life easier. There are so many Sarahs. Thank you so much, Sarah. I hope that helped. And certainly you have not broken your baby. Uh, Hopefully some of the other tips that we've spoken about in this podcast will will help because I think we've covered quite a lot of that. As always, we hope this helped. We can't cast spells, unfortunately, but hopefully we've shared some insight and tips to survive your baby's witching hours. Subscribe, share, tell your pals all about The Sleep Mums and come and find us on social media and say hi at The Sleep Mums on Facebook and Instagram. Look after yourselves and sleep soon.